Hey guys, welcome back to Actually Adultish. My name is Christina Rice and I'm your host. I'm the creator of the blog addictedtolovely.com. I'm a holistic health coach, an NTP in training, and I'm also the co-host of another podcast called Straight Up Paleo. Thank you so much for joining in today. I'm super excited about today's guest, but first things first, I just want to remind you that if you haven't already left a rating and a review on iTunes and or Stitcher, please do so. It means a lot to me. And make sure that if you're enjoying the show, you're telling everybody about it, letting them know that you love Actually Adultish. And if there are any topics you want discussed on this podcast, or if you have any questions you want me to answer or a guest to answer, if you have a guest that you want me to try and get on the show, you can send that in to actuallyadultish.com or email me at actuallyadultish at gmail.com. And if you haven't joined the Facebook group yet, definitely join in. It's called Actually Adultish Podcast Nation, and it's a great party in there. So just request to join and I will add you in. I also want to let you know that signups for my Paleo Women program are going to open up soon. So if you are not already subscribed to my newsletter on my blog, addictedtolovely.com, then I would subscribe to that and or make sure you're following me on social media so you find out when signups are open. It is a five-week course that's going to take you into how to live a paleo lifestyle. We get into everything you need to know about health and nutrition, all of the myths, all of the mistakes that people make. We're going to talk about balancing hormones. We're going to talk about cooking and grocery shopping. We're going to talk about lifestyle factors like stress and sleep and exercise and dealing with people who maybe don't eat healthy in your life and you know just how to navigate pretty much everything you need to know how to navigate in this crazy world so it's a lot of fun you get support from the facebook group with all the other women in the program support with me you get videos from me lectures from me tons of information pdfs you are going to be set to go so if you have any questions, you can always email me at addictedtolovely at gmail.com. And I hope that you want to join the program. So be on the lookout for when signups go up. There's going to be limited spots and might sell out soon. And the first people who sign up will get a discount. So that will be lots, lots of fun. Okay, so let me just hop in to today's guest. Today's guest is my good friend, Devin Sisson. Devin Sisson is an incredible woman and she is the author of the book Kitchen Intuition. You might be familiar with her name. Yes, she is a Sisson. She is the daughter of Mark Sisson, but that certainly doesn't define her. She makes her own mark in this world and is just so wise beyond her years and I really admire her and look up to her and we connected a while back when her book was first sort of being released and we just have a lot in common from the gut issues to you know dealing with disordered eating and over exercising and things like that and just on an emotional level we have a lot in common and we grabbed lunch one day and just had a nice long life talk and just she is one of the most genuine 
real straightforward down to earth people I've ever come across and really inspires me and she also loves good food she is an incredible cook and I just really am excited for you guys to hear from her and get to know her more because I love that she's just not afraid to talk about everything she's a total open book and isn't afraid to get deep and is no bullshit like me and I think that you guys are just really gonna fall in love with her if you're not already familiar with her and I'm obsessed with her book because it's not just a cookbook she has really great stories in there that are about life that I think everybody can kind of relate to on some level and so you get to know her through that book and it's also just filled with a lot of great recipes quote unquote she really does try and use that book to try and teach you how to have intuition in the kitchen which is incredible so i am honored that she took the time to hop on the podcast i've been dying to get her on here for a while we've been trying to plan it for so long but both of us have the craziest weirdest schedules ever and we finally made it happen so it's gonna be great and i cannot wait for you guys to hear more from devin so without further ado here's devin sisson Hello, Devin. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am great. I'm so happy that we're finally doing this because we've been talking about podcasting for forever. Forever. I'm so excited to be here. You have an adorable space. Thank you. I'm just psyched to connect and to talk with you. Yeah. I can't believe it's the first time you're over here. I know. We met, how long ago was that? I don't even remember. Months. Yeah. But we went to Erewhon, the best, the best place ever. And sat down and just had, how long was that conversation? Intended to have a quick lunch and ended up sitting there for hours. But those are the best kinds of meals and the best conversations and, in my opinion, the best way to connect with somebody. Absolutely. Because, yeah, and it was crazy to me, like, how much we had in common. And I feel like I I can pull so much wisdom from you because you are a few years ahead of me. And you're so wise for your age. I love it. And it's, yeah, no, you know how much I love you. But... You also, at that time, your book was just coming out. So that was a whirlwind. So can you tell people a little bit about your book? I would love to. Um, So my book, Kitchen Intuition, is a sort of mix of recipe ideas and chronicles my journey with food, my experience with people and relationships. And I just wanted to share the connection between people, food, relationships, and health. And I wanted to share how I cook, how I enjoy food with other people, which is using my intuition in the kitchen and not following recipes, but getting inspiration and getting ideas from what other people are cooking and finding ways to accommodate the dietary needs and lifestyle of the people I love which at first was challenging having a boyfriend that swears by a blood type diet, having a father in the primal paleo world, having a brother that's a vegetarian, grandparents that are vegan, and a mom that's just (laughs) awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But trying to combine all of those things into one meal was really difficult, and I noticed I couldn't follow anyone else's recipes, but that I really had to cater everything that I was cooking to everyone around me, And as much of a challenge as that was, I learned so much and I got to enjoy cooking and be more creative. And I just wanted to share that with people that are looking to improve their quality of life through food. And 
those that are afraid of cooking. Yeah, I love that. And something I love about you is that I feel like a lot of people treat food as such a religion and they're trying to push their dietary beliefs themselves onto everybody else. And you and your book are not about that. And your family is, and I'm sure, well, we've talked about this before, like you get this question all the time and it's like, you've talked about, I mean, did you ever feel pressure to eat a certain way growing up? That's the funniest thing. And I get that question often But there was always, you know, healthy food Mm -hmm. in my parents' house growing up. But it was what was the health trend at the time. So I definitely grew up eating a lot of whole wheat or tofu, um, a lot of, like, vegetarian options, substitutions, a lot of pasta and rice, a lot of low-fat milks, things like that. Everything was organic and good quality, but that was the health trend at the time. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see how it's evolved. So right now, I would say, yeah, I was pushed to eat a certain way, but that's just what was available to me and what was around. And what I saw my parents do was not what they ate, but that they were conscious of eating. And I think no one ever told me to eat my vegetables or to go to bed at 8 o'clock or to make sure to brush my teeth and get good grades. I just watched my parents do those things. So as the as food has kind of evolved and changed and the lifestyles and the the diets have have come about my interest now and in sharing with other people is encouraging myself and others to just do research just to be aware of those mm-hmm. things. So it's not wrong how I ate when I was younger though I would not eat that way now, but what I saw was that they set the intention every single day to put good quality food in their bodies based on the research that was available to them at the time. Yeah. And the other thing I love is that, okay, so, well, your cookbook is the only book I've ever actually made a recipe (laughs) out of. I was thinking about this the other day because, and I love it. And something that's interesting is the whole measurement. You don't give a lot of measurements, which I love. And can you explain like why you did that? Yeah, and it's funny because my editor was not happy about that. Devin, you have to put tablespoon, cup. You have to put measurements and times. People get really upset about it. Because I've tried even just putting things on my blog, like, without measurements. And people are like, well, how much? I'm like, you just toss it in there. Like, salt. (laughs) It was in part, admittedly, to take some of the pressure off myself Mm -hmm. if somebody made a recipe from my book and it sucked. (laughs) Yeah, Um, true. (laughs) But also it's like, you know, how much parsley I like is different than how much parsley you like. Maybe you don't like parsley and you'd prefer to use cilantro or mint or basil. So I really just encourage people to to pay attention and figure it out, to use what they have in their homes and to use your body as a measuring tool. Mm -hmm. Measuring tools are very, very helpful when you're baking. Baking is a science and you need a cup of this and a teaspoon of that and a tablespoon of that. But when you're cooking, getting connected with your food is a lot easier when you have to use your hands, when you have to feel what it feels like to rip up the lettuce or to shred the kale or to drizzle the olive oil on something. feeling the weight of the salmon is before you cook it is makes it feel differently in your body it's like wow I'm this is how it feels in my hand and that's what's gonna be going on in my stomach in 30 minutes or whatever so the the measurements are just a way to encourage people to be responsible for what they're putting in their body and to freaking experiment all the time yeah use different oils and fats and lettuces and greens and vegetables try new proteins which you're always doing all the time (laughs) yeah 
Um, but don't, don't, don't follow a recipe. Like, just figure it out. Even in my book also, mess up. Add way too much dressing or way too much salt, way too much basil or not enough of this to a mm-hmm. dish so that you kind of learn and you don't do it again. Yeah. It's cool because that literally is teaching someone intuition. And that's hard, too. But the other thing is the way you talk about cooking and food. Like, cooking is obviously so much more to you than just cooking. Like, I can see that. And you can tell when you read the book. And especially the fact that your book isn't just about recipes. It's more about the stories. Um, where does that where does that come from? Like, what does cooking really mean for you? I feel like there's, like, a deep-rooted something there. There was a class I took in college in an anthropology course sort of mixed with sociology. And in it, we discussed the concept of the kitchen table mm-hmm. and how it brings people together physically. It's sort of the time that you would spend growing up or when you're having your, you know, creating your own family. It's the time you spend all together. And it's the time you're also nourishing your body. So mixing those things, the nourishment and the company was really fascinating to me. If you think about um, any dates you've gone on, you're eating. If you think about when you meet up with a friend, you meet up for coffee, you meet up for a drink, you meet up for lunch. If it's a family member you haven't seen in a long time, a lot of the connections we have to food and with food for example, a recipe that gets passed down from your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, something you always ate as a kid that becomes a comfort food. I was really interested in that connection. So part of the eating and the company, someone's got to cook it. It's got to be available. And there's just something available to me in the kitchen when I know that I'm going to be nourishing somebody that I love Mm -hmm. it's also fun and it's creative and I love food so I get to taste it the whole time I think it's pretty I think it's yeah just it's fun to touch things and to create things and to find different new ways of create of uh, cooking but I mainly there's something available to me and I totally can't get the words out the connection between coming together as Mm -hmm. a family as a unit as a community as a relationship as a friendship and how it's really food that brings us there. Yeah, well, I'm curious what you... I mean, I totally agree. And I'm curious what you think. I think some people nowadays, especially in this crazy health space that <laughs> is going on, think that that's a problem. Like, what is your opinion on that? Some people think that, you know, we shouldn't focus everything around food. It shouldn't all be focused around food. It's about the family. But, I mean, the food is such a big part of our culture. You know, we look at big holidays. Christmas and Thanksgiving just happened. So much of that is centered around food. And, I mean, what's your opinion on that? Do you think that that can be problematic? I guess I'm not really aware of it. What? So what have, pe- what have people been saying that I haven't been reading or listening to? I guess people think that, you know, people are just so focused on the food and obsessed with eating and all the food, all the eating, and instead of focusing on each other. And, like, you know, spending time with each other instead of just a day all about the food and eating. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I I guess I just don't agree. I do think about that sometimes. If I've just eaten lunch, I'm like, crap, I can't meet up with my friend now because what are we going to do? Like, meet for a glass of lemon water? I don't know. Which we totally could do. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's something for me about the concept of, of nourishing. Yeah. So when I meet up with my friends... 
it's about nourishment. It's yeah. about like nourishing, you know, as cheesy and granola as this sounds, it's about nourishing my soul. Yeah. And no, it's true. very clear the types of relationships in my life that I walk away from after having lunch with. Um, I just feel more more energized, more excited and more in love and more like I learned something and like I connected with somebody. You know, I've gotten rid of the relationships that don't feel that way. But there's something in the the process of nourishing. And frankly, we all have to eat. Yeah. And we like spending time with one another. And there are actually studies that show that eating by yourself is not that great. Yeah. That you tend to eat more or eat differently or eat secretively or eat um, foods that you might consider to be less nutrient-dense or unhealthy. But... It's better for us as a culture, as, a, as human beings, and as people to share that experience with somebody, to literally nourish our bodies while we're nourishing our souls. I know that sounds so... No, it's true. Uh, but that's, and also this sense of fullness. I mean, I notice it myself. It's like, I think about, you know, getting lunch with you. I leave feeling full in right. every sense of the word. You know, you sit down to a meal with somebody who maybe you're not having the best conversation with or by yourself... It's not the same sense of like fullness in like like physically and emotionally. Yeah. You know, it really does make a big difference. And the other thing, so when did you first start getting into like cooking? Somebody asked me this last night at a dinner party actually. And my parents did not cook much when I was growing up mm-hmm. um, except for having dinner together. So if I was hungry, it was microwaving uh, organic tofu chicken nuggets or you know or a bowl of peas which tended to be our favorite (laughs) snack I don't know why um it was kind of like you're on your own yeah okay and there wasn't like food made in the house all the time my parents just that was not part of how I grew up so my brother and I sort of had to learn to fend for ourselves um my grandparents also are not big in at cooking or eating I haven't been passed down any cool bolognese recipes from my grandmother (laughs) um and then i just remembered recently that i worked in the cafeteria in middle school did you really i not in middle school sorry in elementary school i worked in the cafeteria to get out of class 20 minutes early every day (laughs) but me i love that i think three other people uh we would go help the kitchen staff and put on our gloves and our aprons and our hair nets and open cans of salty weird overcooked green beans <laughs> who and knows what was in that <laughs> totally and chop the things up for the salad bar and make the pizza or the spaghetti or whatever was on the menu for that day and I so enjoyed that at first it was about getting out of class but then it was about watching you know the weird looks on the kids faces as they went by in line and we like slapped food on their styrofoam tray <laughs> And it's funny to think about now, but there was something about that that kept me going, you know, yeah. that kept me interested in that. And then when I went away to college, it was the first time that I got to sh- grocery shop, grocery yeah. shop for myself. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wait a minute, why am I buying these things? Because I've always seen them in the house mm-hmm. or because I actually like soy milk or you know whatever like I don't actually like these things so it was a chance for me to explore what I wanted to start eating and with that start cooking Mm -hmm. and then it was just like oh my god I can literally cook or make anything I want what do I want to make and it was just like this space of 
freedom and like empowerment. Like I get to choose what I put in my body now and I'm not subject to whatever mom grocery shopped for the last week. Yeah, no, I love that you bring that up because I think that is something that people don't talk about enough. I mean, I remember that transition for myself too. We all go through that stage where, okay, we're not working for ourselves now and we go, what do we do? You know, and yeah. it's really interesting. I'm curious, are there any specific foods that you tried for the first time or that you realized, I don't want to eat this anymore? Like, like any memories associated with that, trying new things when you did get that sense of freedom? Steamed vegetables. Like, you... So boring. Oh, okay, okay. So boring. Yeah, true. And now that, you know, sautéing and roasting and shredding or... Um, or blanching and then grilling. Mm -hmm. There's so many other ways. Like, I didn't have a problem with eating broccoli and green beans and zucchini and whatever vegetable my mom cooked. Yeah. But I didn't enjoy it. I just knew it was, like, a thing I had to do. Yeah. Whereas now, I just go crazy over roasted vegetables, Uh like you. Yeah. And... That it was like this. Oh, I don't have to just eat steamed broccoli. I can actually do something cool with it. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you meant? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. totally what I meant. Yeah. At first, I was like, I hope you don't mean that you were excited to try steamed vegetables for no, the first time. No. I was like, please. There was a period of time where it was like, hmm, I could totally buy Lucky Charms for myself right now, or yeah, Cheetos yeah. or whatever. And I actually don't think I ever gave into that. Sugar cereal was the th- the forbidden fruit when I was younger. Uh, I never, ever got that. But it was very clear that I went, when I went to other people's houses, their parents loved them more because they got to eat <laughs> yes. Lucky Charms. Um, so there was a period of time where it was like, uh, I could totally buy Lucky Charms for myself right now. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, actually. I remember one time I bought a bag of, like, mini Reese's peanut butter cups mm-hmm. in college my freshman year, and I put them in my freezer to like snack on them occasionally I thought for sure that in a week they'd be gone I lasted the entire year not finishing that bag of Reese's wow Um, but it was just like allowing myself the freedom to have them in there Mm -hmm. was like eh, I don't really want them yeah whereas maybe when I was younger the fact that they were forbidden and they Mm -hmm. weren't in the house made me want them even more yeah isn't it interesting how that has so much of an effect on what we want and yeah. what we do want? Just telling ourselves, yeah, you can have it. Yeah, totally. It's crazy. I, it's, I mean, I feel, feel like that's the general... I think of college drinking when I think of that. Like, it's the first time right. a lot of people's parents, you know, aren't saying you can't... And then everyone's just, like, getting drunk off their ass. And that's <laughs> what I think of. For us, it's, like, the peanut butter cups, you yeah. know? So I love that. I think... Before I forget to ask this, because I feel like you're the per- the perfect person to ask this, because I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with. You know, so much of why you love co- you love nourishing other people and you love cooking for people. How do you deal with that when there are people in your family or friends who eat very differently from you? Do you ever struggle with that? Because this is something that a lot of people ask me. They go, well, no one in my family wants to eat healthy food. And, like, I want to cook for them, but they complain. And they don't like it. Do you have any ad- advice for those people? It's funny because there was one holiday where I was cooking for my vegan grandparents, my meat-eating paleo primal father, my vegetarian brother, my blood-type boyfriend. <laughs> and I sat down and I was like, well, guys, we're having water for dinner. Yeah. Like, I just can't accommodate everybody. Um But then I sat down and wrote a list of ingredients that, like, a list of bulk ingredients that would be important to each of them that I 
made for dinner or had available. Mm -hmm. For my grandparents, it was probably some starchy rice quinoa thing that would fill them up because I know that everyone to some degree will eat vegetables. Mm -hmm. And then that was that was a creative process for me to write down a list of ingredients that everyone would be satisfied with if they could only eat one thing at dinner. What would that look like? Mm-hmm. And then kind of just cross uh, compared them or yeah. just s- decided to see which ones overlapped. Yeah. And then I figured out that not every dish had to be vegan, but that as long as my grandparents had options or I put the cheese on the side of the salad or I didn't mix the chicken in with the stir-fried vegetables, mm-hmm. I just found creative ways of doing that. I don't have the family or the experience of having to cook unhealthy for people yeah. or having people in my life that don't enjoy eating healthy. But the book... Honestly, people don't know they're eating healthy when they're eating healthy. Yeah, exactly. So you don't have to tell them. You know, for you... You to make a big deal about it. Totally. Yeah. Like, for you, I might not roast watermelon radishes and give them to your family. Yeah. But if you could find a way to make, like, a cheesy cauliflower bake and not mm-hmm. tell them that it's, like, super healthy and paleo, yeah. they would try it and like it. That's exactly what I did for Christmas. Um, I made my paleo mac and cheese yeah. and you know I just didn't say anything I said I'll make the I'll make a vegetable side dish mm-hmm. and I made this thing and I didn't tell anybody what was what it was and they ate it and they're like this is so good what is it and my family they tend to because they know I made it it's gross because it because they know it's <laughs> healthy they're right. very anything that's labeled healthy right. they don't want you know and I was just I was like that was that worked out perfectly so that's literally what I did and that, like, that's kind of the best suggestion. Yeah. And the minute you're like, oh, but it's, it's vegan and yeah. it's dairy free and it doesn't have this in it and it's all organic. They're like, ugh, whatever. And I find that with my desserts, mm. with my raw superfood desserts. Yeah. If I just don't tell people that that's what they are, yeah. they love them. Mm-hmm. If I'm like, hey, here's this thing made with superfood that's not very sweet and also delicious yeah. and nutritious, they like don't even want to try it. Yeah. So almost conning them into eating healthy and oddly enough that was my first experience in like "Hmm, maybe I should write a cookbook when I was living in New York I would invite like six of my girlfriends over to my tiny studio (laughs) and I would make dinner for them and you know in New York I think the health scene is a little bit different so none of my friends at least were interested in eating a kale salad Mm -hmm. everyone would go out and get drunk and have pizza at 2 a.m. But I would cook dinner for them, not tell them what I was making or why I was making it, just set it on the table. And then they would finish and say, like, well, when are we coming back? That was amazing. Like, you know, Devin's restaurant in her NYC <laughs> apartment. And I would just giggle as they walked out the door. Like, you never would have ordered that at a restaurant yeah. because I just made you, you know, a sautéed kale, roasted butternut squash and quinoa salad with, you know, sautéed mm-hmm. bok. Like, it was really really good quality ingredients and nutrient-dense food that none of them would have ordered off a menu and I just didn't tell them what it was I was like "Eh, eat Mm -hmm. and I would giggle same thing with my boyfriend at the time and all of his frat bros which I'm (laughs) so embarrassed to say um I just wouldn't tell them I would hide vegetables in things I would make things that didn't look healthy or too green but were good and and you know things that I would eat Mm because I certainly wasn't going to make them fried chicken wings and quesadillas so my advice just don't tell anyone just make something and let them make up their mind about whether or not they like it and 
get to know the people you're eating with and around. If you know that your family loves melted cheese, find a way to mimic those flavors Mm -hmm. or that sensation in a way, you know, because everyone loves melted cheese. Yeah, true. (laughs) Just figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Because you don't have to tell them. Yeah. What they're eating. I I agree. Sounds weird. I think also sometimes people get nervous about cooking for other people. I still do all the time, by the way. Yeah. All the time. Um, I think sometimes recognizing when it's sort of a projection of your own... I think sometimes people will maybe try and start eating healthier and they get nervous of what people around them are going to think. So then they go, oh, I'll make you dinner, but, you know, you might not like it. You know, it's organic. and they, They're, like, sort of trying to justify it and then it kind of puts people on... I don't know. They're aware, you know? Yeah. Versus, like, if you just acted confident, just, like, this is what I'm making. Mm-hmm. It's good. You're going to like it. Then they'll go into it thinking the same thing. You know, it's if you put this idea in their head that they might not like it because it's healthier, then like they're gonna go into it with that expectation. Totally. Yeah. And the only experience I've had with that, in my cousin lived with me for a while after he got out of rehab. Only lived on diet coke and pizza, <laughs> and candy for wow. most of high school, and I would just cook and put it in front of him. And before you know it, he's enjoying sautéed spinach and asparagus and omelets filled with vegetables and chicken breast and things that he never would have said, hey, Devin, I'm hungry. Can you make this for me? But I would just cook it and he would eat it. And again, I didn't preface it with anything. But what I do like to do afterwards sometimes is be like, by the way, guess what you just ate? Yeah, I love that. Um, That way I'm kind of reinforcing like, I'm not putting it in their head beforehand, mm-hmm. kind of setting myself up for failure. Instead, I'm like, mm, you like that, right? Guess what you just ate? And I try to reinforce that as often as possible so that they're like, have this positive experience with healthy food. Clean eating. Yeah. I don't like the word healthy. Clean eating? Do you like the word clean eating, though? I don't I do. think I like that. I don't know. To like, me, it assumes that but, you there's like a consciousness to, to how me, you're eating. Clean eating makes me feel like there's such a thing as like dirty eating. Which I don't really feel like there's... I never even thought about that. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know if there's ever a good, like, term. Like, why do you think that people resist healthy eating? I feel like people are are so... So many people are just, like, so in one extreme or the other. Like, so obsessed and healthy eating is the best thing. And other people are like, I don't want to eat that because it's healthy. And I don't... Where do you think that comes from when people, like, resist trying healthier options? where do you think it comes from because this is your experience with your family right like my family is so unbelievably healthy I guess that's true where like where do you think that comes from because I I have babysat for kids when I was younger or again mm -hmm. my cousin at first was like nope that's healthy I'm not eating it and I don't I guess the assumption is that healthy food is not tasteful yeah and that's why I don't use the word healthy very often mm-hmm. I, I agree I think that's a big part of it I also think it's people also just don't like what they're not used to not everybody mm-hmm. but a lot of people who I am thinking of who I have had this experience with don't like things that they're not used to I mean I'm the same way I think it's kind of human nature sometimes to just be a little bit resistant to change sometimes it can be scary yeah and so it's you know when you grow up eating a certain way or somebody points out this is healthy sometimes that also taps into something like oh then that person's implying i don't eat 
Interesting. I eat unhealthy. Interesting. You yeah. know, I think sometimes it taps into that. There's a judgment implied yeah. implied in it before it Yeah. Um my grandmother has been eating organic and vegan for the last thirty five years. And this was before it was even a thing. Before vegan or organic yeah. was important to anyone. And I was miserable at her houses. <laughs> Everywhere she lived or moved or wherever she whatever she was doing at the time, there was like nothing for me to eat. Yeah. And she was ahead of the curb in, in some way, which now she's starting to move towards a more. She's like, Mark, to my dad, Mark, <laughs> how can I be vegan and keto at the same time? Oh, like she's trying, you know, oh, she's wow. trying to like figure yeah. it out. But now she still cooks for me when I go to her house and she's like, oh my God, you're not going to like this. It's so healthy. I'm like, grandma, <laughs> I cook this way yeah. now. I'm going to love it. I'm yeah. stoked that everything in your fridge is organic and has no <laughs> weird ingredients. Like I feel free now. Yeah. And she still has it inside her like, oh, it's not very good. Meanwhile, she... She found ways to, before like making spaghetti squash was a thing, mm -hmm. she would create these pineapple, nut, seed, oh sauce, God. veggie bowls with spaghetti squash and I would eat it and I loved it, but she just would put it in front of me. Yeah. She wouldn't say anything. And now I'm like, oh my God, grandma was right the whole time and I thought <laughs> she was so weird and her house was funky yeah. and she you know, wouldn't even wear Ugg boots. She wouldn't come near any animal product. Like, she's so funny. Yeah. But I really admire that she has been on that trend for so long. And... She sounds like a badass. I want to meet her. I was a little... You would, you would love her. She's so sweet. But you would... Like, I did think it was gross when I was younger. Yeah. But I, don't, I couldn't even tell you what my aversion to that was. Mm -hmm. It just was like, oh, this is gross. And okay. I never even tried any of it. Yeah. I... Okay... I want to get into your health journey a little bit because, I mean, you have had your very own health journey um, and I'm sure most people have no idea. So start from the beginning and tell me a little bit about maybe stomach things. Stomach things. The more people I talk to now, everyone sort of has a stomach thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very real. Uh, I don't know how much to get into this, but... You know, I've got two parents that have a six-pack year-round, and they work out six to seven days a week and eat very carefully. Um, and I think they do it in a in a healthy way, not mm -hmm. in a neurotic way. Um, so there's a certain pressure that I felt my entire life to look a certain way. Not that they ever said anything. I was definitely overweight in high school. And... I was afraid when I went to college that I would gain the freshman 15. And what I did not know was that that happens to people who go crazy with drinking and eating pizza at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I think I drank once my freshman year of college, never ate pizza. But I, because I didn't know that relationship, mm -hmm. I was so afraid to come home heavier for whatever reason because I'd seen the girls in the year before me do it. Um that I became super kind of neurotic about my diet and exercise. And it happened because of the one friend I made freshman year. Um, she was neurotic about it. So we could share that. Mm -hmm. And we could eat the same thing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we could work out every single day. And we could do our homework every single day together. So that's when it started, I would say. 
and I came back from college and everyone was like oh my god you look great like what have you been doing and I'm like hmm maybe I should keep doing this yeah like what, what did it look like for you like what was being neurotic about food and exercise what does that mean it didn't feel neurotic then but the way I would characterize it now is is um having it take over your life to a degree and have it limit you in certain areas. Mm -hmm. So the amount that I felt I needed to exercise limited my sleep and my fun and the guilt I felt when I didn't work out Mm -hmm. just sort of took over. I didn't so much connect that with food quite yet, but even how I would do it now is like, if you're not going to allow yourself to occasionally enjoy something that's out of your comfort zone, a dessert for a holiday, a cupcake for your birthday, a super sugary latte once in a while, then I feel like it becomes neurotic. And I'm totally in the middle of that right now, by the way, like absolutely neurotic about this. Um, Not to the extent that it's serving my physical health, Mm -hmm. but my stomach sort of just, was in shambles. I think the guilt I started to feel when I was not eating foods that I considered healthy at the time, um, the anxiety I felt when I wasn't going to the gym as often as I would have liked, Mm -hmm. my pants fit differently from one day to the next, the combination of that and all this uncertainty. I switched colleges three times. So there was a lot of that's a lot moving (laughs) a lot of transferring a lot of just weird things going on in my life and it just started to mess up my stomach Mm -hmm. and I got do we go into SIBO yeah go into go into everything girl I could not figure out what was wrong with me went to every doctor whatever eventually somebody told me that I had SIBO small intestinal bacteria overgrowth and gave me two weeks of antibiotics sent me on my way didn't say that it would ever come back, didn't say that it had anything to do with my diet or my lifestyle, just antibiotics and you're gone. Um, A couple years later, I was in a stressful relationship. I had moved again. I was neurotic about my food choices. I was smoking weed every night and eating way too much because I had the munchies. (laughs) My SIBO acted up again. I saw a different doctor. We went a more holistic route for a while, and then I did antibiotics again. But at that point, I had a better understanding of my relationship with food and how the stress I was experiencing caused the imbalance. And there was a year prior to that where I didn't have a period for nine months. Um, I was way too thin, and it's only about a month or two ago that I can finally look back at pictures and be like, hmm, that wasn't so healthy. But it took almost two years to realize that. So I know this is all not making a ton of sense, but what I'm trying to get at is that I'm focused on right now in my life learning more about the connection between my stress levels, my happiness, my relationships, and quite literally the way I digest food and what SIBO is is an imbalance of bacteria in your gut and so many aspects of my life right now I can tell and I can feel and I can see are imbalanced Mm -hmm. and I'm watching my body make that clear to me Mm -hmm. and makes me sad honestly like how could I do this to myself kind of thing but that thought's not serving me either 
It's very complicated. Okay, there's so much to go. So, at what point, like, what made you realize that you were, that things with, like, the food and the exercise were, like, needed to change? I just think I couldn't sustain it any longer. I couldn't. In terms, like, mentally or physically or both? Both, both. Because I went to the doctor, like, no energy, no period, zero sex drive to speak of. Mm-hmm. Um like bruising all over yeah. drinking all the time cuz i was mm-hmm. cuz my stomach was hurting all the time so i felt like wine relaxed me you know just mm-hmm. and i just it the my blood test results scared me so much that i just went too far the other direction and was like screw it i'm going to eat whatever i want i'm going to do whatever i want i'm going to figure all of this out but i need to get my body back to being healthy but I just ate pizza one too many times, you know, good quality organic pizza from nice restaurants. But I, I don't know actually what made me realize that it just was hard to sustain because it was like, yeah, I'm starving all the time. I'm eating, but I'm starving all the time. I'm going to the gym, but I need to take a nap afterwards because I can't, can't lift the way I used to or move the way I used to. Were you restricting the amount of food you ate or just ingredients? Ingredients. Okay. Yeah. I think that's an important distinction to... Yeah. Because it can be just as... I mean, it was the same with me. Um, I'm curious what happened with that friend that you had who was sort of feeding into your patterns. I still talk to her occasionally. So this was ooh, almost eight years ago now that we met. I still talk to her occasionally. Um, once a year when I visit New York or Florida where she lives, we see each other. She's still, she's still in it. And now that we're in a different place and we've had a different experience, we can come together and discuss how we look at things. But, you know, we go out to a restaurant and she's very particular about only drinking half of her cocktail because there's too many calories in it. And not finishing her plate or only ordering things with certain ingredients. Like we're both very much still in it and it's totally something that I that I deal with every single day. And like, you know, what I said before mm-hmm. we we turned this this recording on was like we teach that which we need to learn and mm-hmm. I'm I'm 100% in the middle of all of this again and right now and I think it will be something that I I have the privilege of dealing with for the rest of my life so that I can help people with it based on my experience. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I think that you were meant to do that. I can see it. And I really appreciate you like being so open and explain because I know so many people listening to this deal with the same thing. And like, it's really useful when we know we're not alone, you know? Um, Did that cause any... Like, how did you navigate that relationship when you were like you said you kind of had a turning point where you said fuck it I'm just gonna eat what I want did that sort of end your relationship with her or did she we were living in different states at that time and not speaking yeah um just because we were like different places in our life so it didn't really affect it and I don't think that it would affect it now Mm -hmm. um and it's funny I've kind of attracted a lot of these relationships in my life because my best friend in New York when we first met, she was, like, in the middle of an eating disorder. And I watched her heal herself through it, kind of go too far the other direction again. And now she's, like, 
just killing it in her relationship and her job and her living situation and her health and her exercise. It's been really beautiful to watch. And I, I write about that in my book. Um, her name in the book is Lolita. And, but one of the things I did with her was we grocery shopped together. She watched me cook. We talked about it. Um, I feel like I was along for the ride, but I got to watch her in a worse condition than I had ever been from sort of a eating disordered situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's so healthy now and so thinks about things so differently, and it's been really beautiful to watch. I don't know why I just brought that up. No, I. that was one of my favorite things that you've ever... That was in the book, too, but I remember you telling me about that the first time we ever talked um because i think that it's really beautiful how you kind of used food and cooking to help heal her from something that was related to food when a lot of people seem to have the opinion that people who have um disordered relationships with food need to just stop completely detach right but that is just so unrealistic because i'm sorry we have to eat to live. I know. It's not like a drug yeah. addiction. And this is, yeah. yeah, this is what really makes me mad when people make that comparison. They're like food to other addictions. And I'm like, it's very different because you can't just avoid food. Like, well, I guess you could, but then you'd be back in an eating disorder. You'd right, be right. I was just going right? to say that like, gets you right back. Yeah, right exactly. Like, so you have to learn to be able to face it, you know, and you have, you have to sit down and eat meals every day. And I think that it's really great how i mean that story just shows how you can like use you don't have to you can turn it into something better you know we don't have to avoid it right and i think that goes for my romantic relationship too as well as my relationship with my family Mm. because they don't care much for food they eat good food and whatever but you know, if I make my dad salmon, he's like, cool, it's salmon. I'm like, dad, I put a cloud of lavender over the top and yeah. then I seared it this way. And he like doesn't care. He's like, cool, it's salmon. Um, but it's deepened my connection in my romantic relationship, dating somebody that feels the way about food that I do, both because it's something we can get excited about, but also something that we can share and have sympathy for one another when it's something we're struggling with. Yeah. Well, the other thing I want to bring up, um, do you feel like you have such a deep love and appreciation for food because of the disordered past at all? Girl, I think I've always loved food. Okay. Like, I remember being a child, and yeah, that was definitely how I soothed. That was me whatever. too. But I, oh, I'm, I, because I believe this for myself, like, I appreciate food in such a different way now because I went through a period of time where I was eating just steamed vegetables and baked chicken and it was bland and lifeless. And that was when I was in a disordered, really disordered time. And now it's like, I can put this spice on this and I could, and I'm like, can you taste that? You know, that those undertones, like, I really appreciate it because I felt I was like restricted from that. Right. life within the food for so long and now it's like I look at food in such a it's like so much more exciting to me because I am like appreciate this you know yeah so I don't know I was just wondering if you think that you might have that experience because you're very fancy with your ingredients which I love you're very creative I definitely eat the same thing every day really yeah 100%. like what I just like I go through periods of time and I've I I at times I see this as a negative, but what I'm realizing it's just that just 
something I do, something mm-hmm. my boyfriend does too. And it's we decided it's in like three month increments mm-hmm. where we're just eating the same thing every single day. So what is it now? Um, right now it's it's spinach, eggs, broccoli, sweet potatoes, roasted tomatoes, onions, and garlic. In various combinations. Mm-hmm. I'll make soups out of it. I'll make potato, you know, French fry kind of thing, sweet potato fries. I'll saute the broccoli and steam the broccoli. And then I'll pulse the broccoli and turn it into veggie burgers. And I'll add other ingredients. Obviously, it's not the only thing I eat. But it's like those ingredients right now that I'm most interested in eating. Because for whatever reason, I crave them. They taste good. They feel the best in my body. But like three months ago, I was eating so much mozzarella and arugula and romaine and so many nuts and seeds and oils. And I think it was probably during the summer that we just wanted to make like this creative fucking salad every single day. Like the most colorful, put every spice imaginable on top of it. And before that, we were making pizza every day. We were finding Mm -hmm. different um, ground meat products to use as the base for vegetables and toppings and marinara sauce that we can put on top but it's like every night that we don't spend together my boyfriend facetimes me while he's cooking and i know exactly what he's making (laughs) i love that turkey bacon with like melted farmer's market cheese Uh covered in arugula covered in eggs and then whatever i left over there the night before like broccoli soup sweet potato soup whatever it is that i made but he's oh i just like watch how we do things but i kind of realize like a little bit follows the seasons mm-hmm. you know it's been cold lately so i want kind of warm grounding solid foods whereas over the summer crunchy nuts and lettuce and fresh vegetables were much more delicious to me yeah so at first i was like oh it's kind of a bummer that i eat the same thing every day but i, I get so excited to find a new way to combine those ingredients yeah and to make it more interesting i love that excitement <laughs> it's inspiring i, I like I'm starving now. Yeah, like, oh my I'm god! Thinking about it. Sorry, I need to come over so you can cook for me. Totally. Okay. I also I want to get back into the the SIBO and the gut issues and mm-hmm. connecting this to stress because this is something we talk about and like I don't think it can be talked about enough because I feel like stress is just no one really knows what to do or wants to address it totally. So, I mean, what have you noticed in terms of the relationship between your stress and your SIBO or your stomach. It's interesting that I wrote a book called Kitchen Intuition because in my stomach is where I tend to feel the the stress mm-hmm. physically and where I tend to experience the discomfort physically. Um, it's literally my gut, like my intuition, my gut feeling. And that's where everything tends to get messed up is in my guts. And the biggest thing I've noticed as of late is how I feel physically when I'm in an argument with my boyfriend or if I'm late to the airport, Mm. I'm going to miss my flight or I'm so nervous to go on a podcast for the first time or um, just a really intense emotion. And they can be positive too. It can be, it can be excitement. You know, the nerves about the podcast was really just, like, misplaced excitement. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be, yeah, it can be sort of upsetting or exciting, and I think my body tends to deal with it the same way. And I can feel it 
whether it's cortisol or, you know, whatever's going on, it's like this tightening in tightening sensation in my guts. And for some people it's migraines or it's backaches or it's, it's different things for different people. Um, but there's just this tightening in my guts, this holding on to things. And what I've learned is not eating in those situations. So, you know, holding off eating when I get to the airport, if I spent 25 minutes in the car, stressed out about getting late to the airport. Um, Finding a nicer way to have a meal after an argument. I'm sure we've all been in a relationship where you have an argument over dinner. I like put my fork down immediately and I'm like, there's two options here. We talk lovingly and address this later while I eat or I'm going to stop eating and we can just go. Let's Mm -hmm. figure this out right now. But one has to happen because I really feel how it wasn't serving me to be in a stressful situation and eat at the same time, which also included when I was living in New York, like standing up at a counter, scarfing my food down. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's stressful for me to eat alone. Sometimes it's peaceful and I enjoy it. Sometimes it's stressful because I'm stuck in my head. Did I eat too much? Did I not eat enough? Did I add enough of this? Did I eat too much of that? Did I eat too much of that earlier? Mm-hmm. Has it been too soon since I've last eaten it? There's just like all this clutter going on in my head, which also does not allow my body to digest food. And if you think about it from an evolutionary standpoint, um, when your body secretes cortisol, it's as if you are, you know, early human, if you're Grok, mm-hmm. um, chasing, being chased by a bear. Mm-hmm. Your body can't focus on digesting food when it's focused on surviving. And it's like one thing at a time. So my focus now and my interest now is in finding the most peaceful ways to nourish my body. And that includes spending more time around people that I enjoy, doing things that I enjoy with people that I love, and letting the rest fall away. God, I wish it were that easy. If only it were that easy. Yeah. It's so funny you bring that up because... Well, you know, I mentioned, I had told you that Christmas, like, over the holidays was rough, and there was one really big argument I got into with somebody in my life, and I was, I had just sat down to eat breakfast, and I had made myself this really nice, like, salmon scramble with avocado and bok choy and my coconut, you know, just like, I was, (laughs) like, so excited to eat this meal, and I sit down, and this person just started going after me. And I could feel it building up in my Mm -hmm. body. And I could feel my stomach. I could just feel my body tensing up and shutting down. And I was like one bite in. And I just, all I could think, honestly, I was so overwhelmed with frustration at this person. But my immediate thing was like, I'm looking at my food and I go, I can't eat this. Like, I will not eat this right now because I will not digest it. Or enjoy it. Yeah, or enjoy it. And, And I like... I ended up leaving the conversation and the person was like, aren't you going to eat your food? And I was just like, no, I can't. But it's so true. It's like you can feel it in your body and like people don't think about, and that's literally how half of this stuff forms like physically in your stomach, right? Like when you're not digesting, that food is sitting in your stomach, like rancidifying, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's not getting digested. And I don't think people always process that. And it doesn't have to be that intense. It's like what you said. It's just standing up and scarfing down your meals, not chewing, all of that. But what about, 
I think this is a big issue. You know, and you're talking about how, you know, gut issues seem to be <laughs> the new, I don't know, everybody has one. Health fad. Yeah. Everybody has them. And I mean, I, I believe it. I don't think it's a fad. I think people, everybody really does have them. But what do you do when you have health issues and you know that you need to minimize your stress, but there are things in your life that just aren't going to go away? There's a couple of things to do is becoming more aware of when those moments seem to affect you more and adjusting your eating habits accordingly. Mm -hmm. So if you must eat when you're stressed out before you go to the airport, have a smoothie, Mm. have soup, have um, fruit, you know, just something that is easier for your body to digest. Like, you know, almonds and Brussels sprouts probably aren't the call. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like things A that are harder bowl for my of body. Cruciferous totally, vegetables. Totally, totally. <laughs> um, and two pounds of meat. <laughs> exactly. But like, you you're gonna better serve yourself that way. You can even you know take di- digestive enzymes to support mm-hmm. you through that time. Because I realize while you're stressed out, one needs to still eat. Mm-hmm. But if you can, if you can just make it easier on your body. And one way to do it is that by, by picking different foods or drinking a ton more liquids. Once a month, do a bone broth cleanse or a mm-hmm. tea cleanse. Like, give your body a break. Mm-hmm. And for you, that might be different for me in terms of, like, intermittent fasting or maybe eating more often with smaller meals so that it just it, whatever works for your body. But giving your body the best chance possible given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And then... Beyond that, nothing in life is actually stressful. It's just how we think about it. Mm. And like you being late to the airport, you could be like, eh, whatever. I miss my (laughs) flight. We get there late. I go tomorrow. No big deal. Me being late to the airport, huge deal. Mm -hmm. But it's not the actual incident or the example that was the stressful event. It's just how we thought about it. Mm-hmm. and another good example of this I talk about in my book my best friend in the whole world is from Minnesota grew up on like green bean casserole and f- biscuits and gravy she and I go to lunch and she orders fried chicken and waffles and I order kale salad she eats really healthy now but she takes every single bite of those chicken and waffles and is like, oh my God, this is so good. Like, yeah. this is such a treat. I'm really enjoying this. This is so tasty and we have an awesome conversation. Mm-hmm. I sit there with my kale salad and I'm like, oh my God, did I not put enough dressing on it? Is there too much dressing? Mm-hmm. Should I eat almonds right now? Or like, maybe I shouldn't be digesting this or maybe I should have had chicken instead. Maybe I should. I just created a really, really stressful situation for myself. Mm-hmm. And the Chicken and waffles that she eats is going to affect her so much more positively than the kale salad will affect me. Mm-hmm. Because although I'm eating something objectively healthy, I'm not enjoying it. I'm not giving my body a break. And not only is the food not going to negatively affect her in the long term, but she gets this like pleasure, this experience of like being easy on herself and letting herself go for a day. And it's totally fine. Like 
there's so many things involved in that in that scenario and I didn't serve myself nor did I enjoy my food or get to eat chicken and waffles Mm -hmm. so I don't remember what your original (laughs) question was but that's where I ended up no that that makes sense well okay where is your health at right now I am being treated for another flare-up of SIBO. Mm -hmm. I'm not entirely convinced that that's actually what's happening. In fact, what I'm convinced of is that I've just, the last four months have been probably the most difficult four months of the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I think I've been maintaining a new lifestyle and it just caught up with me. Mm -hmm. And so... I feel I feel so low energy, so frustrated, so sad. My stomach hurts all the time. But I have like a new lease on life. This is just yet another opportunity for me to try something new and give myself a break and listen to my body. Yeah, so I mean, what's your like mental plan from here? Like so you're not feeling good right now and like with your with your SIBO, you know, like so what do you feel like you're going to change in your life to help heal? It's a million dollar question. Okay. A million dollar question. Um, my first response was like, I'm not going to change anything. Like I'm so mm-hmm. attached to what I'm doing right now. Cause it's not that bad. Um, but my second response is like, based on where I am in my career situation, um, and my living situation, a lot's changed in the last month. So, Starting next Saturday, uh, I have like a new lease on life. I have another opportunity to start fresh, um, to recover from the last four months of physical stress that my body's gone through. And most importantly, to just be okay with the fact that I'm just sensitive. Mm -hmm. There's a part of me that's frustrated that I can't tolerate like not getting enough sleep and running myself into the ground and working really hard and, you know, the hustle. I think that's been over-glorified, though. Totally, but, like, that (laughs) totally exists for me, that there's a part of me that's like, Devin, why can't you just handle real life? Yeah. And and stressful relationships or traveling a lot or or whatever that's going on in your life that might cause me physical stress. Like, why can't I just handle it? Mm -hmm. So I think the next phase is just appreciating the part of me that is sensitive to those things because that part of me is also the part of me that's creative and passionate and sensitive and loving and like vulnerable yeah what about what can we talk about just like relationships in our lives for a second because i think that i mean we talk about boyfriends but family regular friends you know like all of these people around us have such an impact on our stress levels and who we are patterns of behavior everything from like how do you decide who you surround yourself with and what do you do when people who are in your life sometimes aren't having the best influence on you you know i'm pretty aggressive Mm. and i go for what i want in the (laughs) dating in the dating world and I think all of my close friends would tell you that if you would like to know the truth, that's not sugar-coated, call Devin. Mm. <laughs> and my boyfriend calls me something. <laughs> a little a little gangster or like 
just a badass angelfish, like two, <laughs> yeah. two sides to me. And I just have no tolerance for for female or male friendships that don't consistently leave me feeling full mm-hmm. and uplifted and supported. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them I have to enjoy four-hour lunches with and talk about health things. There's some of them that I just meet for coffee for 45 minutes once a month. Um, but I keep the, those ones around because... I feel good afterwards. I feel the same or better than when I entered the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just don't, I don't tolerate, I don't have people in my life that don't make me happy. Yeah. And it like, you know, there might only be like 28 people at my wedding one day, but <laughs> I'm going like to, I'm me. going <laughs> to kill for those 28 people. Yeah. And I know they're going to do the same for me. And I've just realized that those relationships are more important to me and that it doesn't matter that I have 200 acquaintances or 100 friends. I would rather have five or six people that I can call on at any moment, at any time of day, and they would answer and be more than happy to be there. And I just, I just, it's, it's easy for me to not, to not entertain other relationships. Have you and, always been that way? Yeah. Okay. I've always been like, you know, one best friend in college, one best friend mm-hmm. in high school, um, one one at a time because that's how I feel like I can give myself. Yeah. Most. You give all of yourself. Right. Which I love. Most um, genuinely. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't really want to hang out with 12 people at once. It's too hard. It's just not, not yeah. fulfilling in any way. And I'm not even sure what my advice would be except to be aware of which relationships leave you feeling like in positive whatever that Mm -hmm. means for you energized or happy or uplifted for me but whatever it means for you um just just be aware of like how you feel after you hang out with somebody yeah that's hard to i think that's it's hard to be able i think a lot of people have a hard time being honest with themselves about it because sometimes it's just like well that they've always been my friend or right that's my i don't know my cousin, she's in my family. Well, you know, listen to yourself, you know. Ain't got time for that. Yeah. Ain't got time for that. Like, yeah. I am the most important person in my life. And I can't be for other people if I am not first for myself. Hell yeah, girl. <laughs> so, okay. So, who are the people in your life right now that you're just like, I would kill for? You. Because I love you. My god sister, who has been my roommate for the last year... Um, probably my four best friend, my four best girlfriends, my boyfriend, my brother, and my mom. My mom is such a homie. I hated her forever. I'm curious. Yeah, so have cool. you guys always been? You and no. your mom are like, just <laughs> you guys can't see, but I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> they, it's I. When you talk about your mom, you light up, like. But you didn't, you always get along? No, I hated her until I was like 20. Why? It didn't seem like she wanted to be a mom. (laughs) She didn't wake up before I went to school. She only rarely cooked dinner for us at night. She was always late to pick me up from school. (laughs) Sorry, mom. Uh, She didn't get the, didn't didn't take the time to get to know my friends. Mm. And... 
it just was like hard growing up with such a hot mom I guess I don't know but she we've we've talked about it recently and she had such a helicopter mom when she was growing up that Mm. she was like I hated that I just wanted to leave you alone just like let you do your thing which now I appreciate yeah and what I've figured out is also interesting she doesn't say that she hated being a mom but because I don't need her like a mom anymore, she's a great friend. Yeah. And that's why we connect. And when I needed her as a mom, she wanted to be my friend. Yeah. So the opposite has sort of happened with my dad. Although we've always had a great relationship, he was the best father imaginable. Mm-hmm. The sweetest, loving, most supportive, play every sport in the backyard, front yard, beach, every day of the week, whatever you want to do kiss you to bed kiss you before you go to bed every single night and call you a princess kind of dad Mm -hmm. but now we're not really sure how to be friends (laughs) (laughs) which is funny because like we still have a great relationship but he's still a great dad but i'm like he'll always be my dad but i'm not in need of that kind of nurturing at this time and so i think he just we don't know how to be friends that makes a lot of sense. I've had a similar experience with my dad. We're, I feel like it's very awkward now. <laughs> it's very awkward because he was, I think, because he only knows how to treat me as five-year-old Christina who was sitting on his foot, like, wrapped around his leg, and he would walk with me. You know, like... Right, totally. And now I'm, like, an adult and pretending I am. <laughs> and it's... we. I don't think he knows how to connect with me, you know? It's interesting. What about your brother? Have you guys always been close? Nope, hated him too for at least 16 years. We only started enjoying each other's company when I got my driver's license and had to drive us to school. We were literally stuck in the car for 30 minutes twice a day. Yeah. Um, And now he's the coolest kid I've ever met. And he's so smart and there's no competition. I just admire him and I appreciate him. He's younger, but he's like just better in a lot of ways. And... uh, you know, we've done some business things together and had a great time doing that. We lived together for a little while. He's just a homie. He's so cool. Do you think things change just with age or do you think there are things like in yourself other than just like growing up that change those relationships? I think they're one and the same. Uh I think that the things in yourself change based on your age because of how you think about them. And whereas there's a lot of competition with my brother and I, the only thing that's changed is that way I think about it. Mm. And now I just, like, think he's the greatest thing ever. Did, I don't, so did you feel competition with him when you were younger? Yeah. Is that why you didn't Everything like was a competition. Everything. Uh, like, Not, for, like, for what? Like, for your parents' attention or just... No, because he had a great relationship with my mom and I had my dad. So that was very equal. Mm. But everything, like, we would always be, like... Who could sprint the fastest? Who could throw the ball the furthest? Who could make this many baskets in a row? Who could get to the heater first when it was cold? You yeah. Know? Who could, like, there was just always competition. Yeah. And I thought he was annoying, which now he tells me he just wanted to hang out with me. And I'm like, oh, you went, you went about it a yeah. little weird. But, um, no, nothing has changed between us except the way we think about ourselves and the other person and the things I thought were weaknesses or flaws in myself I now see as strengths that have supported our relationship and Mm -hmm. I just think so highly of him but like he's the same little nugget that he always was not he didn't really change I just my growing up changed how I thought about him yeah 
That's so interesting. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I'm really glad we did this. Yeah, I am too. That was, I think this is going to help a lot of people because I think that there's something in that conversation we just had that pretty much anyone can relate to. And I would hope that if there are things or is something that people want to hear more about, I want to go, like, I'm, I will, I'm an open book mm-hmm. and I'm more than happy to share my experience. And I know from listening to other podcasts that it's just nice to know that you're not alone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, guys. So if you want more of a specific area of that conversation to go on, tell me and Devin will come back, right? I would love to. That yeah, so cool. I would love to have you back because I love we'll chatting with you. We'll cook first too or maybe Yes, after. yes. I love that. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, why don't you tell people where they can find you if they want to get in touch with you? Oh, cool. Well, if you want to get in touch with me, Instagram, <laughs> Kitchen Intuition. But if you want my book, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon is the place to get it. Yes. And, um, and she just, posts the most delicious meals on her Instagram <laughs> every time. I'm like, oh, my God, please make this for me. And I don't even eat all those things. I just make my boyfriend eat them. Well, I don't care. I just like looking at the pictures. <laughs> I know. They're so fun to make. No, that would be great. I would... I. I'm more than happy to get to know anyone and talk to people. And I get emails all the time um, that I just love responding to. This is my this is my heart song right now. And we're not alone. Yes. Amazing. Well, um, thank you again for coming on. It was thank the you. best conversation. Awesome. Bye. Okay. Huge thank you to Devin for coming on the podcast. I absolutely loved having her on and I'm sure you guys enjoyed that too. If you want her back, if you want us to talk about something in particular, let me know. Send it in to actuallyadultish at gmail.com or to the website actuallyadultish.com or you can leave a comment on our Instagram page, actuallyadultish. Make sure you check out Devin's cookbook, Kitchen Intuition. Although it's not really just a cookbook, it's so much more. And follow her on social media, Kitchen Intuition. She's the best, and I love her and adore her. So if you enjoyed this, I would really, really love it if you would leave a rating and a review on iTunes and Stitcher. And make sure you tell everyone about it. And I'll talk to you guys again next week. Bye. Bye.